to have been discovered by Jerry Lewis and have gone around the world with Bob Hope and the laughs that I had personally, the moments I had sitting next to Neil Armstrong, who had just landed on the moon. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 260 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, Connie Stevens will be joining us. Connie, of course, has been in so many different movies with Jerry Lewis, and and she was on TV with George Burns, and uh, she was toured with Bob Hope on the USO tours, and it just goes on and on. She's now a director, and uh, we're going to be talking about all of that. Uh, This is actually a talk that I was asked to host with Connie at a film festival, and I meant to get it out to you uh, quite a couple months ago, actually, but I was hoping that uh, the video portion would be ready, and we were going to be able to give you the video also. But unfortunately, that's not ready, so I'm going to be giving you now our interview with Connie Stevens, and that'll be coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, so I hope you're going to stick around for that. A lot of great information she's going to be giving us, and it was a lot of fun to do that. So, that'll be coming up in just a few minutes here on On Screen and Beyond. And, unfortunately, this past week, uh, we have lost quite a few celebrities uh, in the movie and TV world. First off, Annette Funicello uh, passed away. So, uh, of course, she was from the Mickey Mouse Club and all the the uh, beach party movies and those things. It was a lot of fun to see her shows and her movies. And, unfortunately, she has passed away after a long illness. Uh, Richard Brooker, who played Jason on Friday the 13th, Part 3, also passed away. And comic legend Jonathan Winters passed away, too, this week. So, uh, sadly, we have lost uh, some uh, great actors and uh, some people who we enjoyed seeing on TV and movies. And our thoughts go out to their families. And let's see, it is time this week to look at our summer blockbuster review. So, of course, we're going to be giving you an in-depth look at each month as we move along each month, each month and we look to the future of the, uh, the, the following month coming up. But uh, this is our overall summer blockbuster review, and it's coming up in just a minute. Starting off with remakes, remake madness, summer blockbuster movies coming your way this summer right here from On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness coming your way this summer as far as blockbuster movies. On May 10th, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire star in a remake of The Great Gatsby. The original Great Gatsby movie was in 1926, and of course there were several made after that. And on June 7th, you can check out Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing as it gets a remake and an updating from Josh Whedon. And The Lone Ranger rides once again on July 3rd with Johnny Depp as Tonto. That is it for Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. What's coming away as far as new movies as far as the summer blockbuster season? We got it next right here on On Screen and Beyond. 
upcoming new movies. It looks like uh, the summer blockbuster season is going to be bringing us on June 7th. Will Smith and Jaden Smith are going to crash land on Earth 1,000 years after a cataclysmic event in After Earth. And on June 7th, you can also catch The Internship, which stars Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn as 40-somethings, as they get an internship working in a tech world with 20-somethings. And on June 12th, This Is the End is a comedy with James Franco, Jonah Hill, and Seth Rogen. And on June 21st, Zombies Are Back, Brad Pitt stars in World War Z as an U.N. employee fighting a zombie pandemic. And Galerbo del Toro's Pacific Rim arrives on July 12th in a robot battling epic. And what Pixar did with cars, it looks like Disney is trying to do with planes as an animated film called Planes comes your way on August 9th. That is it for upcoming new movies this summer as far as the blockbuster season. Next on On Screen and Beyond, could there be anything coming our way as far as sequels this summer? Sit back. We got a lot coming your way right here on On Screen and Beyond. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sequel City. Well, you want to know if there's any sequels coming our way this summer? Sit back. Put your feet up. We got quite a few coming your way. Starts off with Iron Man 3 as it kicks off the summer movie Blockbusters on May 3rd with Robert Downey Jr. in the lead role once again. On May 17th, Star Trek Into Darkness continues the mission of the Enterprise with Kirk, Spock, Bones, and the gang. Hangover 3 will stumble onto the big screen once again, giving us the further misadventures of the Wolfpack on May 24th. And also on May 24th, Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, return in Fast and Furious 6. Monsters University hits theaters on June 21st as we learn how Mike and Sully first met. Despicable Me 2 arrives on July 3rd with Steve Carell as the voice of Gru once again. On July 12th, Grown Ups 2 brings back Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Chris Rock, and the rest of the guys for more fun. Bruce Willis... Anthony Hopkins, Helen Mirren, John Malkovich, and Catherine Zeta-Jones. They all star in Red 2 on July 19th. July 26th, Hugh Jackman puts on the claws once again as he heads to Japan in The Wolverine. And the Smurfs are also traveling as they head to Paris in Smurfs 2, and that's on July 31st. 300, The Rise of an Empire, Rage Theaters on August 2nd. And Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters comes our way on August 7th. And Kick-Ass 2 will hit theaters on August 16th. That is it for sequels this summer as far as the blockbuster movie season. And there's quite a few of them. So there's going to be a lot of times that you're going to want to hit the theater this summer, I'm sure. And uh, that's it. What do you say? We have now our interview with Connie Stevens, and Connie is such a, a great actress, singer, 
and a TV show she was on, and she toured with Bob Hope to uh, help support the troops with the USO tours. Uh, she's a director now. She has a film out. And uh, we're going to talk about all that stuff. This, as I said, was uh, originally done a couple of months ago, uh, but I've held off because I was hoping the video would be ready so we could do the video and the uh, audio at the same time so you could see it, too, if you wanted to. But uh, unfortunately, that's not uh, going to happen. So uh, I'm putting it out here. Uh, we also have the one with Don Wells. It'll be coming your way shortly. So uh, we figured we'd get this out to you. Connie Stevens, she is next. Cricket's coming your way next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. I want to welcome you on behalf of the California Independent Film Festival. Thank you all for coming today. And we have a really great guest coming your way, and I know you're going to enjoy having her here. She has gone from Broadway to headlining in Las Vegas, starring on the hit TV show Hawaiian Eye, to singing her way into our hearts for the top of the charts and the silver screen. And our guest today is the multi-talented Connie Stevens. Connie, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. First off, why don't we talk about how you started in the, in the business. How does a girl from Brooklyn <laughs> with a beautiful smile end up in Hollywood? Well, my dad was a musician, and my mother was a band singer in the old days when, you know, the Tex Beneke and, and so forth, and my father was a, a great jazz musician, and he was coming out to California, and I said, can I go with you? And uh, that's how I got out to California. But I always used to spend my youth in the movies, and I would watch, oh, on a Saturday afternoon, I'd watch 14 cartoons, two movies, three serials, Bud Abbott, Lou Costello, Sabu, and the Jungle Boy, and what have you, and always dreamed of flying some magic carpet and, and being on that big screen and uh, just planned it. And when I did come out to California, I just uh, started to go in that direction, and then I was discovered by Jerry Lewis when I was 17. So that's how it started. Now, acting and singing uh, has basically been hand-in-hand hand with you all through your life. But which was actually first? Was the, the acting or the singing the first thing? Well, I was singing actually in high school. And a little bit of trivia, I sang with three boys. And we were called the foremost. And when I left, when I was discovered by Jerry Lewis, they became and are still the Lettermen. Did you ever hear of the Lettermen? Yeah, so we sang together in high school. It was better when I was with them. <laughs> we sort of sounded like the high lows. We sang very intricate harmony, and uh, we're still very proud of that old group. And, uh, and then Jerry Lewis saw some film of me doing something with the boys, and I did a film called Rockabye Baby, which is on AMC a lot. Uh, and that's how it all started. I was 17 years old. So w working with Jerry Lewis when you're 17, first off, were you a big fan of Jerry Lewis? And then the other thing is you later on actually was in another Jerry Lewis film, correct? 
uh, way, way out. Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis used to do the telethons. Uh, when I was living in Brooklyn, that was a very, very big thing. N not too many people in the neighborhood had televisions, so whoever had the, the television, which was Mrs. Jello, she lived above us, uh, everybody would gather when they had a big telethon, and I would watch, and I just adored him. He was the funniest guy I ever saw. And uh, a little bit of trivia as far as that's concerned was uh, Debbie Reynolds was doing the role that I was cast in. She vacated the part because she was married to Eddie Fisher at the time, and she was having a second baby. So guess who got the part? Me. And then I married Eddie Fisher many years ago. And I've had two girls with Eddie. My, my two daughters are with Eddie Fisher. Isn't that ironic? Yeah, so I did that film with him. And um, then I did a film called Way, Way Out, where we landed on the moon with Dick Sean and Anita Ekberg. And we were way ahead of our time, I'll tell you. They even f copied our suits. <laughs> If I remember right, isn't that the movie where Dick Sean was playing Russian and he kept saying vodka? Is that that film? I think, it, I think that was the one. Got yeah. me to drink a lot of it, too. <laughs> that was behind the scenes, though, right? Well, on and off. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a look at some of the films that you've done over the years through the clips that we're going to look at. And uh, this one takes us back to one of your early movies called Parish with Troy Donahue. So uh, after the, we see the clip, uh, we'll talk a little about it. All right, if you can roll clip number one, please. Do you want to kiss me? You don't understand. I just gotta go. Now, Troy Donahue, I'm sure every girl who was watching this film uh, was jealous at the fact that you had a chance to kiss him and everything. How was it working? <laughs> well, uh, we worked together so many times after that, that, and we saw each other every morning at 5 o'clock, no matter what we did, and I was still doing a television show uh, called Hawaiian Eye, and... Uh, we were like brother and sister. I remember once saying to him, I can't stand your face anymore. 
why won't they give me another actor to work with? And um, we would laugh about that all the time. He, he was the hottest thing in the world at the time, and uh, the little girls all over the country were absolutely crazy about him. He was a beautiful, beautiful boy. He really was, and ironically, we um, spent some time, the, the last few times I saw Troy were up here. My daughter, Jolie Fisher, was doing cabaret up here in San Francisco. And Troy was up here, and he said, can I come see the show? And he sat next to me, and he watched my daughter, this grown woman, and he squeezed my hand, and I turned around and looked at him. He was crying, and he said, we've come a long way, haven't we? I said, yeah, we have. And uh, he gave me a kiss on the cheek and so forth, and when Troy had a problem later on, I happened to be home, and uh, I was the first one called when he became very, very gravely ill. So I was with him when he left the planet. And that's a good thing, actually, because we came full circle. And the most ironic thing about that was the nurse that was taking care of him was a, a Filipino nurse, and she mentioned this very film that she had seen as a child and was such a fan of both of ours. And she stayed with him to the very end. And it was the three of us. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. A fan took care of him at the end of his life. Now, we're going to show another clip from another film that was right around that time. I think it was the same year. This one is from uh, Susan Slade. So if we could have clip number two, please. <laughs> scared the daylights out of me. I thought it was your mother. I was scared of the night. I thought it was daddy. Feel my heartbeat. to a married that you'd never be jealous of a mom. By the time I've climbed it, my folks will be back to welcome you into the family. Oh, they'll be crazy about you. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Mine will say we'll have to wait and think it over. Sinful. Oh, darling, darling, we can't share our love with anybody. 
after we married her, you're gonna call your parents every time we make love. <laughs> then practice keeping it secret now. You know what I'm gonna carve on the, on the highest rock of the highest peak in all of North America? To be there forever. Me, Khan. Loves you, Susan. A lot of kissing. <laughs> Good kissers, those boys. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me to watch this. I haven't seen them in forever. <clears throat> I'm not a very nostalgic person. Lately, I've become a little tiny bit more nostalgic because I have eight grandchildren, and I do want them to know that I did do that stuff. <laughs> because sometimes they go, Nana? Were you ever in the movies? People say you were in the movies and stuff like that. But those films that I did, I was an untrained actress. And when I look at it, I see how really involved I really was. And uh, it's kind of nice, you know, to see that. Now, Hawaiian Eye was the role that really jumped you to everybody seeing you every week on the TV show Hawaiian Eye. How did you land the part of cricket? Well, I was bouncing around the studio, and <clears throat> I was a very free spirit. And um, I suggested it. I said, you know, they said, we're going to put you, we're going to give you your own show. And I said, make it about Hawaii, Hawaii, because I had been there. So we were, in fact, two years before Hawaii was a state, we did Hawaiian Eye. And... Uh, it was a wonderful show in the fact that to this day, all over the world, it ran mm, nine years around the world many times in the number one position. And uh, people still think it was in te Technicolor. It was never in Technicolor. It was because of the personalities and about being in Hawaii and what we brought to the screen as young young actors that makes you think that it was so colorful. So uh, that was a great period of my life. Um, I started in this Jeep. I would drive this Jeep around uh, all over Hawaii, and then the prop man, I was the pet of the, of the lot, so he would put raccoon tails and what have you. Pretty soon all over the world there were pink, pink and white Jeeps. Do you remember Jeeps all over the world? I started it. <laughs> so that's how that all happened. But Hawaiian Eye was, was uh, a part of everybody's youth. It, it was interesting to me that recently I did a very a big um, article for someone, and uh, he said that it was the first time America had ever seen a young girl living alone without her parents. And and when you stop to think about it, I was there working with three guys, and you never heard about my parents and what have you, and and the audience bought it because uh, of of how I guess we were, you know. Um, it was a lot of fun, and we uh, 
discovered so much about each other and about life. And it was a very harmless show. We would talk about murders, and it would be just terrible, and we would act our ways out of paper bags. And, and in the meantime, you never saw anybody hit anybody over the head, so it was great. <laughs> it was a lot safer. <laughs> now, that show had 126 episodes. More than that, okay. Uh, but even at that number, compared to nowadays when the season can run eight shows to 22 shows, uh, you did an incredible amount of work. And it was the show was an hour long, correct? And was it a grueling pace working that much? And uh, how was it working with Robert Conrad? Well, that's a big question. Um, yes, it was. We did 48 our shows out of 52 weeks. And each episode took one week, a full week. So that meant that costumes, fittings, everything, I would have to do on the weekends. It was kind of slave labor is what it was. And I was making $250 a week and happy to do it. And uh, it just seemed like I just never had a day off. There was one time, two and a half years, I never had a day off. So when I fought the studio system to try to go and do larger films, um, such as uh, My Fair Lady that was uh, being done at the time, and um, uh, uh, Sandy Dunk, uh, Sandy, I forget her name, she, she got the part anyway with Elizabeth Taylor, and uh, Richard Burton, I was up for that role, but they, they wouldn't let me out of Hawaiian Eye because it was making so much profit for the studio all around the world. And uh, it was a different time. Uh, I was the last contract player of the era, and that might be the title of my book, The Last of the Contract Players. When will that book come out? Any idea yet? I've, I've been saving things for many, many years, and... And uh, somebody said, well, you've got to talk about this person and ever. I said, no, no, they're still alive. <laughs> well, I can't wait for that to come out because I'm sure that's going to be an interesting book. Now, 77 Sunset Strip, you appeared on there as cricket a couple of times and, and, and as other roles too. But when you did the cricket crossover and, of course, then you came out with Cookie Cookie, Lend Me Your Comb with uh, – uh, Ed Burns, and uh, was that a studio-led promotion to try to boost the ratings of both and take, take the popularity that you had? I'd love to talk about that. I sang, and I sang every week in Hawaiian Eye. I was never allowed to do anything that they didn't own, and I was the first recording artist on Warner Brothers. Then came the Everly Boys and what have you, and uh, I had a hit record right off the bat, and it was very interesting because Jack Warner never believed in the, the uh, recording industry, and he really was very crazy. He wanted it to fail. When I did record, I had to record after work, and Cookie Lend Me Your Comb was recorded at 2 o'clock in the morning, and 16 Reasons was done uh, Pretty similar, like 11 o'clock at night. And um, it's amazing because it gets very discouraging after a while. And uh, I lost my enthusiasm for making records. I still wanted to sing, and I did on my show, and I did in person. But 
recording was a really big chore. It was like pulling teeth and everybody was so against it all the time. So I often wonder what would have happened. I was telling that story because they were such major, major hits uh, around the world. Um, I was inducted into the Music Hall of Fame in New York. And when I got on the stage to accept the award, I said, now let me see, which life was this? Hmm, it was my first life. And um, that's how I think of it, the different sections, because recording became something that became so difficult. And uh, we, my daughters and I recorded a Christmas album that's awfully beautiful uh, not too long ago, and that again was received well by the public. But I never got to become a full-fledged recording artist because I was under contract. And I was there for nine years, and he made life difficult for me. So that's kind of interesting, huh? Is I started out as a singer, and I sang in Rockabye Baby, and I still sing, and I love it. And every now and then, as old as I am, I miss the band. I miss that one-on-one, and uh, I still do it. Now, 1964, you did a show with George Burns called Wendy and Me. How was it working for George Burns, and how did you get the part? Well, I was a pretty funny kid, and I had a funny bone, and I had worked with Bob Hope, and Jack Benny, and Jerry Lewis discovered me. So it was kind of a natural evolution. But um, when I did the show, I tell you, I learned more in one year from George Burns about comedy than I did my whole career. He was a master at it. He actually timed his laughs with a cigar. And um, I loved it because I got to step out and do crazy things and uh, experiment. But what happened was right in the middle of the show, Gracie died. And that really knocked the wind out of his sails and ours. He didn't want to do the show anymore. And when it was suggested that it was would be Wendy and Jeff, he owned the show, and he said, no, I think it should just go with Gracie, and that's what happened. But I did learn a lot with him. And to this day, people still talk about some of the episodes. They remember the episodes and the dialogue, and it's it's funny to me. I'd really like to see it again. <laughs> it's not on DVD yet. Warner Brothers, uh, I was telling somebody uh, this afternoon that many of the shows, including Hawaii and I, were never released on DVD. I think they're going to make a box sale. That's the latest uh, report. Parish just came out for the first time. And do you know why? Because Warner Brothers was still selling them to third world countries as motion pictures. So consequently, I still get fan mail. I got a letter from a young boy in Pakistan who thinks I'm 18 years old. (laughs) And I thought to myself, should I break the news to him or what? I decided not to. (laughs) Back in the 60s, um, a lot of beach films came out. And I understand that Palm Springs Weekend was a film that was uh, to Warner's version of the beach blanket bingos and all that with Frankie and Annette. 
And um, it, it's funny because I've had several people who have been in that were in that film. Ty Harden was a guest on my show, and uh, Carol Cook, he was on the show. Bill Mooney. So, and it's amazing how many people. Who I saw the first time, about a week ago. He's fifty years old, and I said, "Oh my God, he's still got the same face." <laughs> and and he he must have been what five six years old or something like that. I think he was ten. Why don't we show a clip? Show clip number three. Hoping I'd see you today. Oh. Sit down. Thanks. Here. You can have your breakfast while I serenade you on the guitar. Oh, no thanks. I'm afraid I wouldn't appreciate it this morning. You worried about what happened last night, huh? They really made a mess out of that girl's home, didn't they? Sure right. did. Hey, what happened to your hand? You didn't break anything, did you? Oh, no. It'd take more than a little Benny Rooster fight to bust my hand. You know, we used to have some real dandies back home. We used to fight for months at a time, taking off for Sunday, naturally. You know, my folks didn't take much to fighting on Sunday. They must be really neat. <laughs> I'd like you to meet my daddy. Now, he's a real character. He's always joking with folks. Man asked him one time, says, Mr. Fortune, what kind of work do you do? He says, well, son, he says, I'm an old Indian fighter. Really? Hmm. I fight old Indians. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like going back sometimes. J just shaking Hollywood once and for all. Don't you like Hollywood? Well, it's not that. It just just seems like I run into a lot of phonies, and one thing I can't stomach's a phony. I don't see why people just don't act natural. Just quit pretending all the time. Well, maybe they feel that people won't like them as much if they don't pretend a little bit. That don't cause them to put on airs, does it? Look. I think they'd be a lot better off if they just act natural. Yeah, well. <laughs> Look, let's talk about you, huh? One of the kids says that you go to school in Hawaii. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to bore you with all the facts, really. Oh, no, come on. It was very dull, honest. Well, look, and there's nothing about a pretty little Hawaiian girl that could be dull. You might be very surprised if you got to know me. I'd like to. How about tonight? I'm sorry. I'd really love to stretch, except, um, got another date tonight. The big spender. Yep. I take it you don't care for him. In a word, no. I don't think he's the kind of guy you ought to be going out with. You don't... Let me tell you something, my dear. I am old enough to take care of myself. Thank you. You know, when you get mad, you remind me of a very little girl. Oh, what? I reckon I'd be moseying along before you hit me with my own guitar. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was Ty Harden, and uh, Robert Conrad was the other guy that was looking for your affections. There were 72 young actors on that film. Can you imagine what went on? You're right. Five o'clock in the morning, they would be looking for us. You know what we were doing? We got these horses, and we would ride up in the hills. And Norman Tarog would say, where are they? Get those kids. Get them down here, you know. And uh, I met my husband, James Stacy, on that film. And Bobby Conrad, that was the first dramatic part he had. But we had so much fun. We really did. We're all still very, very close, all of us. And it became the larger of the beach pictures. 
uh, and it started a cult that is very popular these days. In Palm Springs, the whole audience dresses up like that with ponytails and skirts and things like that. And they know all the words and they sing the songs and they carry on. It's great. It's great to look at that. I was so cute. God. <laughs> all right, let's roll clip number four. I'd like to see all of you in music appreciation this year. <laughs> you just might. Oh, I think I'm in love. Oh, good morning. Uh, my name is Stuart. I'm a substitute for Mr. Good morning, uh, Miss McGee. Oh, good morning, Miss... Uh, Miss... Mason. Mason. This is Mr... Uh, Mr. Stewart. Mr. Stewart. Mr. Stewart. Oh, I love your hair, Miss Mason. Oh, well, thank you, Mr. Stewart. Uh, Miss Mason will help you while you're learning the ropes. And it would be my pleasure, I'm sure. Oh. I'm sure you're sure. <laughs> well, I'm a substitute for Mr... Beard. Follow me. Give us a little insight about the Grease 2 film. Well, I was so excited because I got to work with two of my own idols, Eve Arden and Sid Caesar. And I did a scene with them, and I remember standing there, and I started to say my words, and then I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to tell the truth. I'm standing here, and they both looked at me, you know, and I, I told the crew how I felt about these two artists, being a young actress, and uh, uh, they gave me a big hug and all that, and to the... Um, Eve Arden is gone, but Sid Caesar and I are still very close from that film. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Grease 2, I can still remember walking down a, a hallway somewhere at some studio, and Drew Barrymore, who was a little girl at the time, came over and she said, Miss Mason, I'm so excited to just meet you and see you. And you know what it is? Is every time a a film shows that hit in any way, you touch another generation. And that's what happens when they re-release these kind of films. So they're kind of fun to, to look at. Um, I loved Grease. And, and then when my daughter did Grease on, on Broadway, uh, it brought back a lot of memories, you know, of what really went on. And the two little girls, the twins that I was talking to in that one scene. They're good friends of my daughter, uh, both daughters, Jolie and Tricia, and one has twins herself. And she was a twin, so it's kind of fun to see them. Like, whoa, there she is, the Seagull girls. Okay, we're, we're running short on time, so what I would like to do is go to clip number six. If we could have clip number six, please. insane. You and Mrs. Fletcher, you, you just made this up. It won't work, Mrs. Armstrong. 
Do you remember Dr. Hazlitt and I passed your trailer? We asked you to join us for dinner. Yes. And you were scraping greenish mud off your shoes. The same mud that was found in the cave when Raymond was killed. Cynthia, why? I gave you everything you wanted. You gave me exactly what you wanted to give me. Oh, thanks a lot, Gideon. And exactly when you wanted to give it. And what I really wanted was out of this rotten marriage. In your miserable face, out of my sight. Yes, I bought the land secretly. And it was Stan. He found Raymond. That's a lie. That's a lie. Yes, you did. You found Raymond and you got him to steal the gold artifacts from the university museum. And then he made sure that there were going to be all inexperienced people working at this dig. People who could be fooled. And as for you, Benton, you were easy. But why kill Raymond? Because he got so greedy. We could have made millions on this. But he came at me and he made all these crazy threats to me. He, he threatened he would tell my husband the truth. You're either going to cut me in on this or I'm going to break your arms off. I had to stop him. I had to get rid of him. I, I picked up this rock, you see. That was from Murder, She Wrote. I don't even remember that. I don't think I ever saw it. Wow. You know, the, the whole uh, thing, I would like to say something at this particular point. I never did get my Gone with the Wind. And uh, I've had a very eclectic career in the midst of this. I went on to Broadway and... Uh, uh, worked with the great Neil Simon. So I've always sort of looked at a larger picture of what I wanted to do in life and where I wanted to go and how I wanted to achieve it. And I know that we don't have a lot of time left, but uh, I am now on my fourth career. And uh, my film, uh, Saving Grace, B. Jones will be released, and uh, it is my first writing, directorial, producing debut, and it won the Los Angeles Women's International Film Festival, and it just won New York International Film Festival. So I'm hoping that your audience can see a little bit, so you can see Full Circle has been such an eclectic career and uh, very interesting to me to have recorded, had a hit hit television show, hit movies, and, and now going on to my own thing. I think that's what uh, I always wanted to do. I wanted to achieve my own thought of where I wanted to go, what, what I thought achievement was. And um, I was just telling somebody before, the real achievement is, I have a pal with me, I think she's gone by now, but to think of two young actresses starting out together, and we were both pretty girls, still friends after 50 years, now that's another achievement. <laughs> In any case, it's called Saving Grace B. Jones. I think Tatum O'Neill will probably be up for an Academy Award. Penelope Ann Miller is up 
may be up for Supporting Actress Award, and I'm hoping that you have the uh, trailer. Do you have that? Oh, good. I don't know if he's all set. They didn't run clip five, uh, six. They wrote five. But uh, if you can put in the trailer that we have so we can show the audience that, Saving Grace P. Jones. I know they're not ready for that up there. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, look, while he's doing that, let's just talk about, of all the TV shows and films that you've been in, is there any one that's your personal favorite? Not because of you know, being a, a, a huge hit or anything like that, one, but just one that feels special to you. My, my career has been really made up of moments. I did uh, the life story of Marilyn Monroe. Um, it was called The Sex Symbol. And right after that, I got a lot of offers for sexy roles. I was always the girl next door, if you notice. And uh, some of the moments in that film uh, I don't think could be done any better. And uh, a film called Never Too Late with Paul Ford and Maureen O'Sullivan. I did one comedy thing in there where I fix him lunch don't think it could be any better. So it's a, an accumulation of different moments, just like the rest of my life, really, about special moments, about standing on a stage with 40,000 young people in Vietnam and singing uh, and having them sing back. That's what I have accumulated. And now with the new film, uh, having directed such great actors to... The first day they start saying the words that I scribbled on a yellow notepad was very, very, I should say I came full circle and I started to cry because it's something that I thought about in the deep recesses of my mind and then finally thought that I had come of age and that I could really do it. And um, so it is just moments of each film and each place and all the people that I worked with, all the great actors like Lloyd Nolan and Maureen O'Sullivan. I worked with um, so many great character actors that are no longer. Natalie Schaefer, Reginald Gardner, I worked with when I was like 20 years old. Uh, they're just not around anymore, and I don't think there's anybody replacing them. And to have been discovered by Jerry Lewis and have gone around the world with Bob Hope and, and what have you, the laughs that I had personally, the moments I had sitting next to Neil Armstrong, who had just landed on the moon uh, on a plane, uh, a little Cobra jet going into the deep jungles of Vietnam, that's what my career and my life has been about. It's about what am I going to do next and how can I achieve it and how can I make somebody happy and how can I change their lives for the moment. So, Do we have that trailer yet? Oh! 
I know that asylum. After 17 years, that kind of horror, who among us could ever be the same? I'm fine. I know how to do things. I can, I can be helpful. Welcome home. Whatever your sister was, died long time ago. People thought she was crazy just because she liked to be alone. That doesn't make you crazy. I don't think the children should be in the same part of the house with Grace. Everybody's afraid they're going to have to get involved in this situation. What situation? I'm sorry, Manny. Don't send me back, okay? It's not safe here. Gods can't come into the sleep room and not hide my I wonder if anybody will ever know I existed. I am crazy, you know. Are you sending me back? I wouldn't change anything. Look at us, Grace! We're coming apart! People are losing everything and look at what you do! We can't stop this, Lanny! This thing's coming to town! an incredible cast and it looks like a very intense film it's, it's very intense it takes place in 1951 it was a very large flood very much like Katrina it's based on a true story it's a family that goes through this enormous flood that was over it, it went over three states and Grace was a woman who was just released from an insane asylum, which was the par for the course in those days when they didn't know what to do with somebody after they had exhausted their their finances in hospitals. And she came, she came home, and it's how she tried to cope with what was going on in her life. And this is the story, and uh, I'm the little girl. I spent... Uh, about two and a half months with her. And after 9-11, I was riding home, uh, driving home. I had watched 9-11 out my window in New York City, and I went through this town, Boonville, Missouri. Anybody know anything about that? It's just outside of St. Louis, between Columbus and St. Louis. And I went through the town, and I thought, oh, my God, I remember this just uh, go left and go down four streets and go right and there'll be this house. And I did that and sure enough, there was that house. And um, I went home and finished writing the script, showed it to a friend of mine. He said, you have to do that. It's still prevalent today. Uh, mental problems have never really, they seem to be the one that's never totally addressed in this country, and that's what this story is about. 1951, I, 
I think you better bring a box of Kleenex because the actors are just superb, and I'm very proud of it. And I hope you go see it. Saving Grace, B. Jones. We have to finish up. I apologize. We're not going to have time for questions from the audience because we have to move out so they can get this all ready for the uh, gala that's coming up, the awards and everything. But, uh, Connie, uh, one quick question. Prairie Bones, is that another film that you're working on? I'm getting ready to direct another film with Melissa Leo, Danny Glover, and Franco Nero from Italy, and it takes place in 1870. After the Civil War, our country was very ravaged, and uh, they couldn't grow food. They didn't know. People were displaced all over the place. The Indians weren't faring well. They had no food, and they were still small bands of raiders and... And this is what happens to uh, a young couple in love and their family. So it's called Prairie Bones. Thank you so much, Connie, for for, uh, joining us here today. I I just want to say thank you, and thank you, Derek, and thank you, everybody, for even thinking of me for this. You know, as I said, uh, which, now let me see, what career was this? Uh, What you were watching was number two. so I thank you so much for being here and listening and, and being supportive of me for so many years. I appreciate that. Let's have a nice round of applause for Connie Stevens, ladies and gentlemen. Connie Stevens, want to thank her so much for taking the time to talk to us. And it was just so much fun to be on stage with her and conduct an interview with her. Uh, I thank them for inviting me to be the uh, the MC for the event. And uh, it was just, uh, like you said, I wanted to get the v- video out too, but unfortunately that just didn't come about. Uh, maybe at some point we will get it. But I figured I better get this one out. You know, it's been a while, so uh, I wanted to make sure that everybody had the opportunity who wasn't there have the opportunity to hear it. So uh, we uh, thank her so much for taking the time here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, she does so much. She was, uh, you know, like you say, had a couple of hits on the top 40. And she also was a hit TV show, uh, Hawaiian Eye and all that. And then also her movies. And, of course, uh, working with Jerry Lewis. And uh, then she's now directing her on her own. And just, just so many things she's done. It was just such a pleasure to talk with her. And I hope you enjoyed that one. And we have another uh, great guest coming your way next week. And uh, we've got uh, to remind you, too, that uh, if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you are on iTunes, leave us a review. If you've got a suggestion for a guest, email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'd uh, love to hear from you, whether you're making a suggestion of a guest or just, uh, you know, chatting you know i love hearing from you and it's a lot of fun to answer your questions if uh, i don't get back to you immediately please uh you know forgive me for that because uh sometimes there's just so many emails and i, I don't get through everything uh, that quickly sometimes but uh, uh between trying to get interviews and everything else it's sometimes difficult but i do get back to you one way or the other as fast as i can and i appreciate that so remember feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com is the place to uh, contact me And what do you say? That's a wrap for this week. Until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 